0: all the time.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running, from networks and security to communications and 24/7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com/business blackfoot connect to more
3: it's four o'clock welcome to tutela nuanes montana's only statewide sports talk show broadcast on 102.9 espn radio for western montana and across the state on swx television
1: i like football no
3: sports talk from montana for montana Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and
1: Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. Montana State Defensive Coordinator Kane Ione on the show today. The Grizzlies named Clint May, their new interim head track coach, and episode two of Grizz Greats with Andy Larson drops today. It is 2TEL New Ones, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the great state. Outstanding to be with you. Uh, thanks for letting us hang out with you on this very fine Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are well. If you would like to, uh, go ahead and listen to this show, and you are out of market or you're at work and you want to hide it, or you're at work and you don't care and you want to blast it for everybody, or, you know, it's your home, use the World Wide Web. It's a very serviceable little tool, that thing. 1029ESPN.com. You go to our website, you listen to the stream all the time. The stream is available thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you would like to pick up your phone and call us, you can do that as well. 361-361. 3688-361-3688, 3688 361 the phone number. All guests join us via the rankage Brothers RV phone line. Uh you can also, by the way, text that phone number, 361-3688, text the number, and uh, you know, can get us that way with your feedbacks, questions, concerns, etc. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. First of all, Kane Ione uh, did a Zoom call. He was on the show uh, a couple weeks back, uh, Coach Ione was, but now that we are officially into fall and there's some practice that is going on, it was a good time to catch up with him. A couple things to talk about uh, that you'll hear from him uh, here right off the top. Also, Clint May, been named the interim Montana head track coach. Brian Schwain, obviously, uh, his tenure coming to a close yesterday, officially his last day at the end of August. So Clint May, now the new head track and uh, field coach at the university of Montana. We'll talk at that. Also, we mentioned yesterday, a couple of passings, uh, of, of some legends, right. In Lute Olson and John Thompson, the uh, college coaching word world. But there's also, uh, been a couple of fellows who have passed on that have, uh, some significant Montana ties to my elite, uh, players, uh, from, from, from back in the day, uh, that have, uh, uh, uh recently passed. So we will talk about them and have a, a couple of memories from Colton who specifically about a, a couple of guys, uh, who it will be a good opportunity to reminisce and think about. Next hour we get into some professional stuff. Game 7 tonight between the Nuggets and Jazz. You can hear that game right here on ESPN Radio. We'll talk a little bit of NBA and maybe even some NFL culture. I'm all fired up about the NFL. I had my fantasy draft over the weekend, as you know. You and I just got done recording uh, another stellar podcast with our buddy Sean Rainey, the Making It Rainy podcast over there that he's doing, uh, which is all about over-unders in terms of uh, of uh, uh, schedules, you know, games, wins and losses, over-unders for the NFL. So uh, I thought we could maybe do a three best, three worst teams in the league uh, here today as we get set for, I mean, the NFL, man, kicks off nine days. They're playing football in the NFL, Kansas City, Houston, right, on Thursday of next week. So uh, it's uh, it's coming up in a hurry. And, uh, you know, the basketball stuff as well. And then bottom of the hour next hour, very excited about this. Andy Larson, Andy Larson, the outstanding kicker out of Helena for the University of Montana, who now resides in Missoula, by the way, after a, a nice long stint in Baltimore, among other places. Uh, he joined us uh, for Grizz Greats, the Silver Anniversary podcast. Again, we're very excited about the Silver Anniversary anniversary podcast series commemorating the 1995 national championship football team of the university of montana and andy larson made the game-winning kick the last points of the season that were absolutely uh had to have them down one to up two with 39 seconds to go. Uh, not to mention getting his career-long in the first quarter of that game to open the scoring, three uh, nothing for the University of Montana. So uh, he was uh, absolutely a joy to talk to. Uh, he's he's uh, talked to us before on on a couple occasions, but fun to sit down and and have a uh, a full conversation with him. So his episode is coming out today, episode two. We had Mick Holleen, that is of course up for you to t- to check out, and then Andy Larson. So we will. Play play you a segment of that here this afternoon and then that'll be up later this evening so it's not up yet it will be up here uh soon as uh, you know a little later on after we're done with the show so there you go that is the show outlook today Coulter what's up gus how we doing pretty well how you doing doing just fine can i tell you a funny story i would love it if you did
0: um first of all i haven't picked my book yet i'll tell you the story then i'll pick a book and then we can get into this okay. uh
1: we can do the book later on too. Don't yeah, take I know. time I just, out of the show just, to pick books. I know,
0: I know, I know. We just have, I just, we're leading, leading with college football and uh, I feel like I could just highlight a college football book. Uh, my contacts, I change them once a month. Okay. Uh, I actually am being an adult about it right now. <laughs> As he jerks the cord out, the mouse is falling down the edge of the the desk. We're, we're all sorts of haphazard today. We're fine. This is like me trying to put my contacts in. I, uh, I change them once a month. I'm, finally be an adult about it and do it on the first of the month so I just remember instead of having to you know set an alarm and do it on the 12th or whatever yeah okay. and uh, today I changed them before we went over and recorded with Rain Man and my uh, left contact I was like this must be a faulty contact it's blurry I wonder if I got the wrong prescription I realized I hadn't taken the first contact out
1: yet you put in a second contact yeah. over the first yeah. contact. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When did it. you
0: figure that out? Well, after three different uh, applications, I finally, uh, I finally figured it out. It wasn't, okay. uh, it wasn't ideal.
1: All right. Well, very good. Uh, it is two tell the one is it is one ESPN radio and, uh, We had an opportunity to meet up with – well, not meet up, but do a Zoom call, I guess you'd say, with the media, k i defensive coordinator at Montana State University, and uh, got to cover a number of different topics with him. Now, we were fortunate enough to have him on this show just directly a couple weeks ago, but that was before – Full practice schedules had been announced and we knew that you know how much time you would or wouldn't have as coaches with your team and what was exactly going to be going on uh, and so we thought we'd play a couple of minutes from this call some questions and answers from this and uh, and kind of get a little picture of what's going on over there at Montana State now that we have a little bit more information and kind of settled in to what this fall is going to be like.
0: So the framework of this uh, basically the Ken interview was sort of just a, an update on the state of the world but the questions that we asked him were basically pertaining to this extra practice time they're going to have but one thing that I realized over the weekend when I was spending time with my brother and we were kind of brainstorming ideas for Skyline Sports MT during the fall and I mentioned this on the show yesterday is that North Dakota State because they decided to play the one game on October 3rd where they're going to host Central Arkansas that changes the stipulations that they have to abide by compared to most of their other FCS peers. As we know, I think Missouri state is the only other Missouri Valley school that's going to play multiple games this year. The colonial athletic association, there's a couple schools maybe going to play at one or two, but there there's only 15 FCS schools playing period. NDSU is definitely the most prominent team that's going to be playing Montana, Montana state, notably not going to be playing, but, We had previously asked both Bobby Howe, head coach at Montana, and Jeff Choate, head coach at Montana State, about just broadly, you guys are probably going to get some form of practice time this year. How are you going to use it? Well, then I was talking with my brother, because North Dakota State has this one game on the schedule, they get to go into full season mode. So what that means is you get 20 hours a week of in-person contact and that's not counting, quote-unquote, voluntary film study, and it's not counting, quote-unquote, eight hours of strength training either. So you're basically into full-fledged fall camp mode. You can be a fully operating football program like it's the month of August, even if you only have one game. So basically what North Dakota State did is twofold. They got themselves a ranked FCS opponent coming over the Fargo Dome. They're going to have what amounts to a pseudo-pro day for a couple of their really high – prospects like Trey Lance, who knows if he goes pro or not, but like uh, Dylan redunds for example, he's their, their outstanding offensive tackle. He's multiple time All-American. Well, he's a projected third round draft pick. It would be pretty risky for him to stay at North Dakota State through the spring and maybe forego the NFL draft or even till next fall. I don't think he's going to do that. So now he gets a chance to perform uh, on his home, floor, on his home uh, turf one last time. But then also North Dakota State gets all this extra practice time. So I wanted to ask Coach Ione because we hadn't directly specifically addressed this with Choate or Houck yet, and that's why I picked this book. This is a Sports Illustrated college football book. We can get more into like what it's about. It's pretty much just a broad history of college football. But I just think that North Dakota State, I wrote a story about this entire narrative I'm talking about, and some of the numbers that I came up with were absolutely striking, specifically that North Dakota State's won 137 games over the last 10 years. That's insane. Over the last nine years in which they've won eight national championships, they have gone 128 and eight. That's unfathomable. And that's why I picked the college football book because I think that North Dakota State is the most peerless college football program of all time. And this is just another incremental example of how this made them better. So we asked Kane I own about that today, uh just in terms of maybe this contributing to the gap that already exists. Well
1: we'll we'll get to that and uh and and that response uh in a little while but there's a couple questions and answers ahead of that as well just about Montana State specifically and what they're going to do with this practice time or not and what they're trying to accomplish given the fact that they're not playing any games. So here you go. Kane own defensive coordinator at MSU from earlier. First question for you is, can you break down Montana State football's fall practice schedule right now?
3: (laughs) You know what, Alex? I wish I could, to be honest with you. Um, We are are functioning on almost a week-to-week. Sometimes it feels like a a day-to-day, 24-hour, hey, what's in front of us right now? And um, because so many things seem to change over the course of any given 24 hours that it's tough to really pin down a schedule that uh, allows you to function more than, like I said, 24 hours. And so as a staff, we just continue to make adjustments uh, the way we need to and the way we see fit in order to get done what we need to get done for our players uh, to keep and and to try and keep in focus uh, what is really important for us right now at any given moment. And, um, and then kind of building a schedule off of that. And so what we've kind of established is kind of the things that we need to do and get done is to uh, make sure that we start to build up a, a strength and conditioning foundation again. Uh, we felt like over the course of the summer, um, it was kind of so in and out and out and in, and, and so we didn't get that normal summer block or however many months of a true training block for our guys. And so we feel like we could really take advantage of this fall right now to get that back and get that foundation of the strength and conditioning underneath our guys. And then uh, from there, then we'll start to implement more and more as far as the football is concerned on top of that. And uh, we've been fortunate to that we got however many practices in over the course of the latter part of July, first part of August. And uh, then once everything kind of shut down and the season, uh, the announcement was made that we weren't going to have... Uh, a big sky conference season, then, then we changed the schedule at that point, And, and so that's kind of how we've been functioning ever since.
1: And what has the feedback been um, from the players just on this entire
2: adjustment?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the thing about uh, young guys. They're very resilient. And um, I think that uh, our, our culture here is very strong and, and we've got a good, uh, good group of guys that are, they trust us as coaches that we're going to do what's best for them and, what, and we have always have their best interests in mind. And so when the, when the decision came about, obviously they're going to be disappointed because all of them want and are here to compete on, on Saturdays. Uh, but they also know that they want that experience to be everything that they expect it to be. As far as when they walk out and we go in our Bobcat prowl and we go into Bobcat stadium, we have a full stadium of, of, our Bozeman community behind us and those guys get that full experience of what college football should be all about. And, um, so I think they also were realistic in the fact that, yeah, due to what we have going on in this country, maybe it isn't the best to be playing at this point. And so again, they, they trust our decision. They trust, to uh, or the decision, and, and they trust that us as coaches are always going to have their best interests in mind, no matter what we're doing.
1: You, you just mentioned earlier to Alex, you know, you, really right now it's about every 24 hours where you're trying to determine what's the best thing for your team. Not so much what are the specifics that you're doing, but what, what is the goal or the goals broadly in this fall? What are you trying to get out of it as, as a club or specifically a defense?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said before, the, the biggest thing right now is, is we've got to replace what we felt like was, was potentially lost time uh, in the summertime as far as the physical conditioning and, and strength of our players. Uh, so we, we're trying to make up that uh, over the course of uh, however many weeks within this fall time um, and then on top of that we've got to make sure that uh, uh, our guys still stay fresh and, and stay sharp on on both defensively uh, as far as assignment wise schematically and then offensively as well because you're talking about uh, you know our offensive coordinator Justin Udy has got uh, a new uh, some new things that they're trying to implement on the offensive side of the ball and so um, That's the second piece of it is continuing to keep a competitive edge, continue to make sure that we stay sharp as far as the football aspect of things. And then the third thing which may be the most important when it's all said and done is to maintain our culture and to make sure that that our guys, that we stick to our core values, uh, that we implement or acclimate is the better word, uh, our freshmen that are here on campus now into our culture which is a big piece of any fall's time, whether it's whether we're playing games or have a season or not. We've got however many freshmen that are here on campus that we are got to get acclimated to our culture, um, and then continue to build on that foundation of culture that we have within within our our locker room already. And uh, there's nothing that'll that'll make you lean on your culture more than a global pandemic that's forcing you to miss the season, right? And so, uh, this is unprecedented times that um, we are trying to make sure that we lean on that culture and that foundation that we've uh, established here.
1: And last question for me, but, you know, I know when you have only a limited amount of time together, so you're taking that time very seriously, certainly, and trying to get the work done you need to get done, but also without having games that you're sort of razor sharp focused on getting ready for and so forth, has that afforded you more moments of fun or levity in the, in the context of coaching and being with your guys where, Hey, you know, we can, we can get our work done and still, uh, you know, try and have a little bit of fun with this?
3: Yeah, of course, man. I think that's a uh, one thing that we said as a staff that we need to make sure our guys uh, understand through this whole thing is that uh, that football is, is a luxury, right? Football is, is something that uh, um, we play. This is a game that we play. We don't necessarily work. And so we're going to put in everything that we can as far as the, um, the hard work, the, the the discipline, the commitments, everything that goes into football that goes into playing those games on Saturdays, right? But there's still plenty of lessons that football teaches you that are going to really help you become the man that you want to be in life. And that's what we're all here for anyway, as far as football coaches, football players, is to be uh, for us as coaches to help our players become better men um, and hopefully win some games when those games come about. But we're here to enjoy this process as well. And so our guys uh, know that, hey, when it's all said and done, uh, as a Bobcat football player, you're gonna leave this place with lasting memories. And this fall is gonna provide us with an opportunity to really uh, give our guys some lasting memories. Uh, we played some paintball last Friday with our guys. Uh, we're gonna do some things tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning uh, with uh, a guy that, that helps us um, establish some, some different things within our culture and uh, help us still do the physical training that we got, that we want to help us learn how to deal with adversity. So we're doing some different things in the mornings as well with that uh, implement not only fun, but also train some guys to, to battle through some adversity. So some life lessons in that regard. Uh, and then as a staff, we're always trying to find and create new ways uh, to just, let's have some fun. Let's enjoy this time. This Montana's a great state and not many of us, uh, I know myself, have never had an August in Montana to where I could actually on, on the weekends, maybe get some golfing in, maybe get some extra fishing time in or, or enjoy um, a hike or two. I'm not much of a hiker, but hey, maybe I will be now because I have a little bit of some weekend time. So uh, we're, we're trying to encourage our guys, we're providing those opportunities and we're encouraging guys to really take advantage of this time to, to find some different things out there and in the, in within this great state.
1: So there you go, Kane Ione, defensive coordinator at Montana State, going through kind of what they are up to in broad terms at, uh, at Montana State and what they're trying to sort of implement during this time. And, Coulter, uh, you mentioned before, you know, you asked him after this uh, about – The fact that North Dakota State, for example, because they have a game, has uh, a a significant amount more practice time than teams that are not playing this fall, which is most of them. And basically his response to that was, well, that is why I, that being Kane, was in favor of uh, some sort of broad... mandate from the NCAA that was just gonna govern everybody. This is what we're gonna do as a whole in order to have something like equity. Now I understand if you're playing football games like Central Arkansas, yeah, you need the the normal amount of time and practice probably to play a season, you know, yeah. week basically week in and week out. And North Dakota State saw kind of an opportunity, it seems like, where they're like, hey, we can get that same thing and, you know, have 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 all the time that we want to have or need to have in order to, to ha- you know, our normal fall schedule and only do it playing one football game. And so they chose to do that. I wonder if that motivates other teams to maybe follow that and maybe, you know, if that's still an opportunity to try and get a game on the docket so that you can kind of find the loophole in that rule. I don't know. I understand why... The NCAA said, well, here's what it's going to be if you're not playing. Here's what it's going to be if you are playing. But obviously they didn't see this sort of thing coming because I imagine when they said if you're playing that they maybe assumed that it was going to be playing a season as opposed to a game. I don't know. But that's that's where we're at right now.
0: Well, it just seems as if the, the institutional um, brilliance that exists at North Dakota State, it, it reaches into every element and it just seems as if they always find advantages little or big And it's why the gap can, I I, I I wouldn't say the gap continues to grow. I just don't think the gap has shrunk whatsoever. I don't, I mean, Montana State, 49-14, 42-14. I mean, the Cats were objectively significantly better in 2019 than they were in 2018. And they only lost by one less touchdown. I mean, it's not not a a complete straight across the board comparison. But NDSU is now starting to get better players than they've ever gotten before. They just had a guy in Jabril Cox transfer to LSU. He's going to get playing time at LSU this year. You have another guy who might be better than Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is a day one starter, number two overall pick in Trey Lance. So uh, on that factor, I just think it's just another example of of NDSU. You know as well as anybody, because we both listen to this stuff daily pretty much, there's... Particularly in Montana, both the programs are pretty darn honest about their objectives and what they want to do and, and what their strategies are and stuff. But there's also some platitudes and there's sometimes when you're just not getting the full the full story from the quotes that you're getting from the coaches. That's not a criticism. That's just the way that almost everybody in a public position operates, particularly everybody. in sports. Yeah. The one school that doesn't do it, though, is North Dakota State. Most coaches would shy away from... We're playing this game because we're going to get an extra bump in revenue. They wouldn't really say that unless it was something they they really needed. But Matt Ence, North Dakota State's head coach, directly addressed. It's an extra chance for us to make some money. He also directly addressed it's an extra chance for his seniors to have a showcase in case they do want to go pro. That sends a message to other guys around the country, potential recruits, that North Dakota State is already producing NFL prospects at a higher level than all but maybe fifteen or twenty football programs in the country, period. Yes. yes. And now when the coach goes on the record and says, if Trey Lance I mean he didn't say quote for quote verbatim, but he said he basically implied if Trey Lance balls out and goes to the NFL, great. That's what we want. We want a center guys in the NFL. We want Dylan Redunds to the Offensive tackle to be a third round pick if he has a chance to be a third round pick go We'll figure out a way to replace you But most coaches would never like talk about that openly and Matt Entz basically said we wanted the extra practice time We wanted the extra money and we wanted a chance for our guys to showcase their talent And I think that sends a huge message To any potential recruit NDSU right now They're in a spot all alone in college football because they're not in the power five that, but they're also so far beyond the FCS, and they're also so much better than any of the teams in the group of five. So they have this insulated little bubble where they can just continue to get richer and richer and richer. And I just think that th- it's going to take something catastrophic to derail the momentum that they have.
1: At, tell me what you think about this. It's too telling and long. It's 1029 ESPN radio, particularly at the FCS level. At every level, okay, it's about the money, it's always about the money. Um, but. There's a lot of schools that have so much money. It's about trying to figure out how to get your nonprofit back to zero. Not trying to figure out how to make it. Right. And
0: one note in terms of money, this just came through. This is okay. from uh, Steve Halstrom, uh, who actually I don't think he's a media member. I think he's just uh, reporting. Oh, he must be a media member. He has a lot of followers. Regardless, Steve Halstrom's tweet. <laughs>
1: Good. Let's put I mean, this I'm, on I'm the, so, the air. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. This was reached by by cat. Whatever. There's multiple. There's multiple outlets reporting that NDSU has announced that they will be able to have 10,000 fans in the Fargo Dome. So that's significant because that's more yep.
1: than 50% capacity. That will net a significant amount of money at the gate. Um. You you already said that that Matt Ants said you know part of this is to get some revenue going because you know you got to have it. I'm not suggesting. I, I have no idea what the NDSU, you know, uh, the boosters are like. What what sort of finances they're working with? Clearly, they have some finances. Uh, and they
0: have an indoor practice facility. They, they got full cost of attendance. They,
1: they've they've built they've built it up. And and so good for them and there's no question that money matters and and is critical and they're making a decision to even play a game specifically within the scope of uh, you know as that being a a On-the-record portion of what it is that they're doing that said it feels to me like North Dakota State football North Dakota State the University makes every football decision that they make based on what's best for football not on what they're capable of doing or not capable of doing based on the finances that are available. Now, obviously there are some things that like you, that you can't do if you don't have the money for it. And certainly we don't know what those things are, but North Dakota State I'm sure would have if they had an extra $15 million windfall would be able to find great ways to support their football program with that amount of money. But what I am saying is Everybody else feels like they're trying to find a balance between football and dollars, which you have to do. This is not a critique yeah. whatsoever, but. North Dakota State is in an enviable position of basically being able to make decisions that are fundamentally and first and foremost about how can we be the best at football. And look, whether I don't even know if that's a good thing. I don't even know if that's a, you know ethical, more whatever you want to talk about it. But it makes you the best football team. It's how you build a machine. Yeah, that's that's what you can do. And even places like Montana, Montana State certainly can't do that. They have to make decisions that are financial decisions before their football decisions in some cases. And Bobby Hauke ain't doing that. He's making every football decision he possibly can to make the football team the absolute best that it can be, period. Okay, And I think most coaches are doing that. But you also have to recognize the budget that you have and by the way montana montana state are in great budget situations compared to many fcs programs across the country but it's certainly not carte blanche to go do whatever you want to do in order to you know create the absolute best winning football scenario that you that, that you possibly can with no consideration really given to the to the rest of it so i think that that is you know it's it, it, it is what it is in the power five schools the only question that's asked is will this make our football team better in, in the big time power fives right in the in the in the top 30 40 programs in the country the only thing that's asked is how will our football team get better and if the answer is this is how this is how then the money is there to do it and the decision is supported and and if that is the only not just the North Star, if that's the only star that you have to point at, you can create a pretty significant program that way. Certainly. And it just harkens back to
0: there's some advantage there's some advantages that are cultivated, and then there's some advantages that are just a stroke of luck. I mean, I don't know really how to say this gently. It's, it's significantly more expensive to come to and go from the state of Montana because it's a significantly more coveted place to visit. Hmm. That impacts the University of Montana and Montana State recruiting so huge because it costs a ton of money to fly in and out of Bozeman, Montana. It's one of like the resort town tourism hubs in yeah. North America, yeah. you know. And Missoula is not far behind. I mean, you know, it's very expensive to fly in and out of Missoula. It's not the same because, I mean, Fargo, the Fargo-Moorhead area, metropolitan area is three or four times the size of Missoula. So it's huge. The airport, it's a lot cheaper. You can get to big cities a lot easier. Those are just intrinsic advantages that North Dakota State, you have to give them credit for taking advantage of. But to be able to drive three, I mean, you drive three hours any which way from Missoula, Montana, You're gonna, the biggest place you're going to get to, Spokane, Washington, which pales in comparison to driving three and a half hours to the Twin Cities, like mm-hmm. North Dakota State can do. You can also just get kids from the Midwest to go to North Dakota state, whereas that has been a completely negligible pipeline for the Montana schools. But what you're saying is, is so right. They, they do reinvest in it so much over and over and over again. And I think that's where you get this unbelievable tradition because it's always been a priority, but they haven't done it in any sort of a nefarious way either. So that's why every, every element of the health of the football team leading into their athletic department, it's so good. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the one, I just had this, this thought, Although they have had unprecedented success, I'm looking at their athletic budget right now. Their athletic budget uh, for the 2020 year was going to be $22.3 million. So that's about mm, two to two and a half million dollars more than Montana. Okay. So like not very much more than Montana, even though North Dakota State's had unprecedented success the last 10 years. Part of that is because, you know, I mean, men's basketball, women's basketball, they draw better at Montana than they do at North Dakota State. And Washington Grizzly Stadium specifically significantly bigger than in the Fargo Dome, too. Yeah. But this article that I'm reading uh, from Inforum News, and these guys do a great job reporting, by the way, it's talking about $800,000 in state funding getting cut from NDSU athletics. Not that it's that big of a deal. They'll be able to supplement it because they are pretty darn self-sustaining, but they're going through what a lot of the other programs or a lot of other athletic departments are going through. But one of the main ways they were going to supplement this, according to their athletic director, was to try to seek out More money games. They were scheduled to play at Oregon this year. That was going to be a $650,000 payout. That's a huge hit. The number one thing that's going to hurt North Dakota State moving forward, I had never thought of this till right now, is that they're not going to be able to get very many money games anymore because no one wants to play them. Mm -hmm. They already beat Iowa. They already beat Iowa State. They already beat Kansas State. Like they beat Power Five schools. I think they've won six straight FBS games. Why would you pay North Dakota State to come to Manhattan, Kansas and beat you by 17 points? No one wants to do that. You're not going to pay a team 650 grand to come wipe the deck with you. So now the only money games they're going to be able to get are games like Oregon or maybe, you know, is someone another maybe Ohio state or Wisconsin or something like that. Yeah. But even that's a risky proposition. I mean, how embarrassing would you, how embarrassed would you be if you're Wisconsin and you lost North Dakota state at camp Randall, it would be catastrophic even if it wouldn't be that big of a mismatch on paper. So that could be one thing that impedes it. But I just think that this, this was a strategic move that North
1: Dakota state did that I think, at least solidifies the gap that already existed coming into this season. It's 2 one two 102.9 ESPN Radio. Quick update as they play in game two of the Eastern Conference Semis. The Boston Celtics currently hold a three-point lead over the Toronto Raptors 39-36. The Celtics are already up 1 game to none in that series. Free throw goes down so they're now actually up 4-40-36, four, 4:35 remaining in the first half there. We'll continue to keep you updated on that game as we go. It's available on ESPN television. We'll take a break on the other side. Clint May has been named the interim head coach of the Montana track team. Talk about where he came from and uh, what his experience is, what his credentials are. Right after this. Hey, Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula and Highway 83 in Seeley. The weather, it is nice out. Man, what a day it's been. What a week it's going to be. Go ahead and get outside. And if you want to get outside, why don't you go someplace where the people aren't, namely off-roading and on-laking. Husk, Varna, and Beta Dirt Bikes, the top of the industry, top of the line, available at Kurtz Polaris. You can also get their side-by-sides Polaris the number one name in the industry of four-wheelers off-roading with their general their razor their ranger a whole selection to accomplish anything you want from work to fun to friends you can do it on a side-by-side from Kurtz Polaris and then well if you just want to have some fun and enjoy yourself get a crest pontoon boat the crest pontoon boats Top of the line there as well, available. Get out on the water and enjoy yourself summer the way you always envisioned with Kurtz Polaris online at kurtzpolaris.com. That's kurtzpolaris.com.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Blackfoot, connect to more. If you're a
1: minute faster than the next fastest person in any race, meet me at Dairy Queen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, do something, you know, at least make it interesting.
0: It's uh, We as Montanans have great pride for all of our fellow Montanans and what they can go accomplish both within the state the legends they build, but also when they leave the state as well. Sure. And one thing that I think the, that the people that know are very proud of, but one thing I wish that Montanans were more proud of is the unbelievable lineage of cross-country runners, particularly mm-hmm. women that have come out of the state of Montana. It's almost like the crown gets passed every couple years, and you have these just transcendent talents Camilla that are Nellie chasing each, each other's records. I mean, although I remember all the way back when I was in high school, Zoe Nelson up at Flathead, she was like must-watch track. You would, I would go to track needs to watch her because she would just blow the doors off of people. Mm, mm. She's winning the 1600 meters by almost three quarters of a lap. It's like not even possible. But then that, I mean, from her to, you know, McKenna Morley, the Aragon sisters, as you mentioned, Camilla Noe. And now Callie Hartnett is, is right there, but it's so cool because Ozessa Zens, who is the freshman who was second in that race. And she beat uh, the, the whole rest of the field by quite a, a good margin. She's only a sophomore at Helena High. Hartnett's only a junior. So now you have the, this pair of girls that are already regionally elite, literally, as not even yet seniors, and so they're going to be able to train with each other and battle each other out, and uh, you know be on, be in the mix or be in the conversation with some of these great runners that have come out of Montana the last twenty years.
1: Kylie Hartnett, any relation to Josh? <laughs>
0: I do know that Odessa Zenz is the uh, younger daughter or the uh, the daughter of Jesse Zenz, former um, sports editor at the Helena Independent Record. Okay, that's and a, pretty and a, good. a good buddy. Jesse Zenz ran track here uh, at the University of Montana.
1: Best Josh Hartnett movie.
0: Man, I, I I almost didn't get your joke because he's so irrelevant to me. I didn't even know who you were referencing. I don't even know if I could name one.
1: Lucky number Slevin.
0: Oh, that is a great movie. I would it's have even said movie. he was in it. I just think of him as Slevin. What else is he in? Black Hawk Down?
1: I don't remember. He's not irrelevant. He's just not done it in a while.
0: Well, and he also just did like... The movies that he... He made some great movies. Black Hawk Down and and Lucky Number 11 are great, but didn't he do like a whole bunch of notebook style? Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, smooching down on the beach movies. (laughs) Everybody's got to get paid. Hey, you know? To each their own, man. To each their own. I'm not hating on anything. I mean, if you were... Bill Murray did Garfield. If you could get paid for being handsome and having attractive actresses will obviously that
1: now that ain't working because we'd be billionaires (laughs) uh coulter uh the university of montana has uh uh signed or promoted uh, promoted yeah better said uh the uh uh chris may to the interim uh Clint May, excuse me, into the interim head track and field coach now at the University of Montana. Brian Schwain resigning earlier uh, this, this last month, a couple, couple weeks ago. Yesterday, his last day officially as the head coach at the University of Montana, where he's been for over 20 years in total in terms of his, his full duration there. But Clint May, he's been there quite a while as well and has quite a resume in his own right uh, to be taken over.
0: It's a great segue because Clip May has such a strong cross-country background, and I'm sure that Kylie Hartnett and Odessa Zens will be fierce recruiting battles for uh, both the Cats and the Grizz if they don't go on to bigger schools, which I actually expect them to probably be Power 5-type uh, talents, very much like Danielle and Christina Aragon, were and McKenna Morley is. The track and field director position, because they are a lot of times there's the director of track and field, there's also the track and field head coach, and then sometimes there's the guy who's the director of track and field as well as the track and field head coach. That's Brian Schwain. He was a hands-on coach for some of his athletes, but then also had other coaches to coach some of the others. I mean, you're not going to see Brian Schwain in the shot put pit.
1: When when it comes to head coaches being the, quote, CEO, Mm -hmm, as opposed mm -hmm, to being... mm -hmm that teaching the sport of whatever the sport is probably there's no sport where that is more the case than track and field, right? Because there's so much logistics that go into if you're hosting event and, but even just attending one, because there's so very many different uh, uh, events that are happening and, and you know, you have both genders going that are within your scope. Basketball, obviously they're split. So you have one coach for the men, one coach for the women track and field not the case. And so there is you have so very many irons in the fire, so to speak, that aren't even teaching your athletes how to do whatever their discipline is. So that is a major component of being the track and field head coach, regardless of where you are.
0: No question. At Montana State, for example, when Dale Kennedy first started out, he was actually like the co head coach. He was coaching the women and Rob Stark legendary track coach at MSU, actually a former Grizz himself. Mm-hmm. He was running the, the men's program. And then that sort of dr- gravitated or towards Dale becoming the director of track and field. And he was such a good CEO, which is such a huge doubt at Montana state, particularly because they have an indoor track. They have probably the premier indoor track uh, in the, at least the Northern half of the big sky conference. So they host meet every single weekend during indoor season. So, you're having to put on meet after meet after meet so it's like being an events coordinator as much as it is you know being a track and field coach of any sort and so it is an interesting deal and that'll be the most interesting part about this Clint May uh, hiring right now he's he is an inter, under the interim tag but I have experience with coach May for when I was at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle and he was the head cross-country coach uh, first of all he couldn't be a nicer guy I mean, he's one of the nicest men I've ever met he's so friendly so I mean we'll be we'll love him as the media because he's he just loves you you know come on in I'll talk to you about whatever you want please stay I yeah. would love to talk more uh super nice guy but um it's interesting right now because a lot of times even if the head coach or the director of track and field doesn't necessarily have a hands-on view on everything a lot of times their programs the most successful elements of them reflect what their specialties are Mm. brian schwinn was the best coach in the league at helping cultivate female multi-athletes right pentathlon, heptathlon, he was one of the great decathletes to ever come out of the Big Sky Conference, ironically, at Montana State. Funny now that we have a Montana State alum, Clint May, as the interim coach at Montana. Right. When Brian Schwinn was a Montana State alum, coaching at Montana as well. But then, while we also a Montana State alum, so you have cross head uh, head guys at both programs. But that's going to be the most interesting part is Montana, right now, if you were to just define the Grizz Track program, Number one strength that they have has been the multi-athletes. And it's been the females that have gotten a lot of the headlines, but they've also had some great male um, multi-athletes, particularly Adam Bork, who's now the multi's coach at Montana. Um, And they've had a couple other ones, and they have a couple rising stars in the program now. But they've also been very good at the sprints, Oftentimes, they're they're pretty competitive in the throws, especially on the female side of things. I mean, Hannah Fouser from right here in Missoula was a, an all-American caliber thrower. Right. But the distance has been where they've lacked so far behind. And a part of that has just been because Bozeman is a much bigger distance running town than Missoula. A lot of those kids that were on these dynasties that Clint May coached at Bozeman High would just go to Montana State and you've also had middle-distance-to-distance-style coaches at Montana State. Dale Kennedy's a middle-distance guy. That was his specialty. Lyle Weiss is a cross-country guy. That's his specialty. So it'll be interesting to see if the re- the program reflects what May is has been all about or if it stays with the same strengths that it's had. Quickly on May when he was at Bozeman High, one of the great runs in the history of high yes, school sports in Montana. amazing. Ten seasons, 18 state titles, nine apiece, for the boys and girls, so didn't win a state title one time each. It is 10 years there. He rose the program to the point where the state was their primer to go to the Nike regionals, and then the Nike regionals then became the primer to go to nationals, and they had the boys and girls win the regional and place in the nationals during Clint May's time there, and he coached some athletes that were some of the great distance runners ever uh, in the state of Montana. So it's I, it seems as if it's a pretty solid hire. I'm just so interested to see if the program starts to reflect May's identity going forward.
1: Um, when you do a radio show, uh, you're supposed to you know, research and know what you're talking about. For people who've listened to this show, they know that, that that's not <laughs> what we're about. So I don't feel well, bad about broaching that subject or this subject. But the interim tag, is this a re- result... Are we? At a, I think we are in if uh, some sort of hiring freeze at this time. Sure, they're not doing full, you know, national or regional searches for coaches sure. or anything at the University of Montana. I think Montana State the same faculty, et cetera. So right. is the interim tag a result of of that? I kind of. Well, I, it seems I, like I, it is because they, they had an interim tag on Coach Petrino. You know, certainly. of course, with the Lady Grizz, and now with Clint May as well.
0: It, and it's it's definitely a good point worth making because. Um, the news wasn't as splashy when it first happened. You know, Clint May was hired to be the cross country coach, the head cross country coach, yeah. as well as the distance coach for the track and field programs. And uh, we 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 briefly mentioned it, we didn't really analyze it, but they I think they had to have a promotion from within mm-hmm. for the time being because I do think, like you said, they're under a hiring
1: freeze. And then and that may also be the reason that the interim tag is on there, even if the expectation is that that he might be right. the head coach for 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 you know, some for, for a long time going forward uh, to tell new on nine ESPN radio halftime in the bubble game two again, of the Eastern conference semis, the Celtics, a two point lead at the half over the Toronto Raptors, 50, 48. We'll talk more about that game. The Raptors in a one, nothing hole already as a number two seed going against the number three seed. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, uh, It's not exactly like it's 2-7 anymore. You know, the Celtics are a very good team, but they're already up one game and none. Uh, And then, uh, obviously, Nuggets-Jazz later on this evening will bring you that game here on ESPN Radio. But next, several uh, great... Old Montana athletes uh, and, uh, and notable Montana sports figures passed over the past couple of days. And, and two of these
0: are, are very tragic because they were gone far too soon.
1: Coulter will uh, tell us about that We'll remember a couple of a uh, couple individual athletes from the state of Montana next. Welcome back to Tell New One is 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Good to be with you on a uh, Tuesday afternoon. A, uh, a sad segment, no really way around it, uh, of uh, three gentlemen who have passed recently uh, and two far too young uh, who were great athletes in the state of Montana and uh, and people that we should remember here a little bit. Tom Duffy, Coulter. Uh, probably the most uh, notable passing because of what happened. Uh, Many people will have heard, but uh, fighting fires in Oregon, a helicopter pilot uh, who went down. That was Tom Duffy, 40 years of age, I believe, and uh, was a... Like a, a, a true seven-footer, I mean six, 11, 7 eleven, seven-foot center for the Montana State Bobcat basketball team, uh, and obviously a, a tragic death fighting fire, doing what uh, he did as a as a, a helicopter pilot uh, for uh, in in the fire. So very very sad, but also Coulter, one of the most unique basketball careers of. Of anybody, I mean, just of anybody, anywhere. Uh, tell the people about Tom Duffy because I think a lot of people may not recognize his name from a basketball standpoint. Be like, well, what this? This was one of the great bigs in the history of the state of Montana. Most people don't know about him. Why not?
0: And it's it's so hard to even define what his career was because first of all, he never played at the level he probably should have played in, and then he hardly played, and that was because of his religious convictions. Tom Duffy was a Seventh-day Adventist. And if people know about that uh, religion, the Sabbath for Seventh-day Adventists is when the sun sets on Friday until when the sun sets on Saturday. Well, Tom Duffy, first of all, grew up in Bozeman, we went to Mount Ellis Academy, which is a very, very small school. You're gonna be playing Class C schools sometimes, but mostly fellow home schools fellow mm-hmm. other private academy types. So you can imagine as a guy who was 6'11 with pretty decent skills, he had his way. Things went pretty well. His uh, his high school numbers were outstanding, but <laughs> he he probably would if you would have gone to Bozeman High, say, or even you know Manhattan or Belgrade or something, he probably would have been a, a power five guy, a Pac twelve guy, but he didn't. And then he decided to stay home, Montana State, to play for Mick Durham in the early two thousands. And I think in two thousand it was either two thousand one or two thousand two, the Big Sky moved their conference schedule to Friday Saturday, so they they were playing Friday and Saturday, uh, sometimes Friday night, Saturday afternoon, sometimes Friday night, Saturday night, and so that basically cost Tom Duffy a huge amount of games in the middle of his career because he he just could not participate. He would he wouldn't even be at the games. And so I got to give the guy a ton of credit for being so convicted in, in in any discipline, whether it's faith or otherwise. But Tom was a guy. I played a lot of pickup hoops with him. He personifies the term "gentle giant" probably more than anybody I've been around. I mean, he's an enormous, enormous man, but so kind, so nice. Um, he played on a city league team that had some guys that uh, we would get into it with that like to jaw a little bit. And Tom was always the mediator, the quiet mm-hmm. guy, boys, we don't need to do this. It's just city league on Sundays. Let's just have some fun. <laughs> the irony is that Tom could always play on, on Sunday. So, and that's what city league is in Bozeman. So you're like, well, great. We got to play red tiger. There's Tom Duffy. You're going to yep. have a fun time guarding him. Um, but, it's it's really too bad because he was he was sacrificing for the rest of us i mean we're not in oregon but while them firefighters i think don't get enough credit for the sacrifices Mm -hmm. they make i think it's glossed over as being not as dangerous of a job as it really is when you get caught in something that, that can be it and it was a very simple thing with him flying a helicopter and then all of a sudden clips a wing and down she goes, so it's a, a big-time bummer, but I know that uh, he was really well-remembered by his teammates, one of our colleagues at SWX Montana, Jeff Riggs, who does the color commentary um, for bobcat yep. basketball games on SWX. Sure. He's great friends with Tom. They play on the same City League team always, and I know that Riggs, he was, was upset about it, to say the least. So uh, got too soon Tom Duffy at
1: uh, the age of 40. Uh, Also, Larry Otte, who was a pitcher for the University of Montana. Yes, that's right. A pitcher uh, past the age of 74 uh, and uh, uh, going back a long ways, obviously, because he's playing a sport that doesn't exist at the University of Montana any longer. Yeah, he was
0: 74 years old. He's one of the great athletes to ever come out of Miles City, Montana. Mm. And uh, his his funeral service will be tomorrow in Bozeman. Um, But a life well lived, certainly. And uh, that was one that was just remembered on the University of Montana message board. There were several comments about how fun he was to watch and how transcendent he was. And then the last one, uh, this is a guy I knew personally a little bit um, friends of friends, certainly, but there was a pretty good pipeline coming out of San Diego in the late nineties and early two thousands. And it brought the Grizz a bunch of great players, uh, notably Trey young who went on to win big Sky conference MVP as a safety for the Grizzlies, but also Herb Fernandez and Herb Fernandez was a guy that um, I think probably die, diehard Grizzlies fans certainly remember. He was a role player as a defensive end the only reason he was a role player because he was absolutely good enough to start anywhere in the country at that time. He just happened to be behind guys like Andy Pedick and Tim Bush and C.J. Pitcher, yeah. some of the best DNs in the history of the Big Sky Conference. And uh, But Herb had a couple of moments. I remember his senior year, uh, he had a pick against Northwestern State, a pick six, that sort of sealed that game in the first round of the playoffs. I think that was only his third career start, even though he'd been very productive up to that point. But I think anybody that was ever been involved in Grizz football absolutely remembers her because he was one of the nicest, most gregarious guys you'll ever find. So friendly, so funny. Uh, he was always the life of the party. And I mean, I, I haven't actually found out how he died. I, I had just saw a couple posts of I mean, Andy Pedick, who was a great Grizz, um. He, I saw. He was the first one that posted about gone too soon. RIP Herb Fernandez. And I haven't really heard, but I mean, Herb couldn't have been more. I mean, he couldn't have been even forty. He was a senior in college, eighteen yeah. years ago. So maybe early forties, but really, really tragic. And I think that anybody around Missoula that ever ran into him will remember him as a guy that always had a smile on his face.
1: It's Tutel Nuanus, 1029 ESPN Radio Thoughts with all all of these gentlemen, their families, their friends, and and the memories uh, that we have of them. We appreciate that. We'll take a break on the other side. We'll get into some professional sports, some NFL, some NBA after this.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes.